0: So I did want to start out and say that many of us are afraid sometimes, we're afraid of the unknown. Um, actually w- when you look at the fears, and I mentioned this in a recent message, you know, we all have different fears and many people actually have the fear of coming up front here. So I want to thank Amy for doing that, uh, particularly for the first time. In fact, some people said they'd rather die than speak in front of a group of people. Um, you know, but I, I would say that uh, after you do something like that, you, you may feel that way. So it's, it's definitely daunting to do that. But in general, we're afraid of things we just don't know or don't understand. Um, These unknown things that we fear, sometimes when we learn a little more about them, we're able to fear them a little less and move forward to what maybe what's in store for them. And death is one of those things. As Pastor Brian said, I'm speaking this morning on joy and death, but I wanted to start out with something that maybe is a little more lighthearted, but gives us a little window into kind of how this works when you're afraid of the unknown. So I'd like to uh, introduce a game show that some of you may be familiar with. It's a quite, there's a newer version that is done here today. Uh, this is the original one, hosted by a man named Monty Hall here, and it was called Let's Make a Deal. And the way the game show would work, contestants would try to win great prizes by choosing a certain number there, one, two, or three, which a curtain, and they didn't know what was behind them. If they picked the right curtain, they would win something like a new car. If they picked the wrong curtain, they would get what's called zonked okay and it was uh, where they would get messed up and they get something non- nonsensical like a goat okay and that's how i think how some of us think about death and what awaits us behind the other side of the other side of the curtain it sometimes feels like we're playing let's make a deal we hope we've chosen well in life so that what awaits us behind the curtain is something great that god has prepared for us but also sometimes we feel a little afraid that maybe we've chosen wrong in life or we're going to end up getting zonked by god Sadly, some, some of this continues in our lives where we're, we don't really understand what happens in death. We are nervous about it. We're anxious about it. We're fearful about it. But as we look at what Paul says to us here this morning, as we look behind the curtain and learn more about joy and death, we're going to see that God will help us take away our fears and he'll give us a sense of purpose and peace. Now, we're in the middle of a series in the New Testament book of Philippians focused on Joy. Pastor Brian opened up the series a few weeks back sharing about joy and community. And he asked us this phrase. He said, I would be happy if, and we were supposed to fill in the blank. And he encouraged us that there's three joys in Christian community. Number one, lives changed by Jesus. Number two, the relationships we build with each other. And he mentioned that earlier this morning in his prayer. And number three, the prayers that God will answer. And we were equipped to appreciate our Christian community and engage more in it. And he mentioned small groups that are coming up this week. So I want to just put a plug in for that. We were also introduced by Pastor Brian week one to our theme verse found in Philippians 4.4 4, which says rejoice in the Lord always and again I say rejoice. Last week Pastor Brian shared with us about the joy in preaching crisis found in other sections of Philippians chapter one. We were encouraged to discover the gospel for ourselves by raising our flags of faith. Remember we talked about that with the little thing and let our prison become our pulpit. We were encouraged to exude a passion for Jesus and to live unafraid for him. So Pastor Brian set the stage for this sense of being unafraid. We're equipped to be more passionate about our faith and as a natural result, live it out where we work, live and play. Today, in Philippians chapter 1, verses 19 through 26, I'm going to be sharing about joy and death. Kind of sounds strange when you say that. But we're going to be encouraged to learn more about death and fear it less and look forward to what awaits us there. We're going to be equipped to better redeem the time that we still have here on earth before we get to that point. Next week, we have a special guest, Dr. Jeff Arthurs, who's one of Pastor Brian's mentors from seminary, where he went. He is from whom Pastor Brian learned many of his preaching skills. Jeff will be spending time with our team, who preaches here at the church this upcoming Saturday, equipping us with what he's learned over the many years, and our teaching team will be better as a result of our time with, with Jeff, so we're really looking forward to that, so you can pray for that for us. But now I'd like you to turn in your Bible, your Bible app, to Philippians chapter 1, I'm going to start in verse 19, and we're going to read through verse 26 if you join along with me. Starting in verse 19. For I know that through your prayers and God's provision of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. And here's the the, the big verse, right? For me to live abound on account of me. Now we're going to walk through these verses together, understand them, and then see how we can apply them to our lives. So let's start in verse 19. Paul sets the stage here, this idea of joy and death, where he shares that he knows what has happened to him so far in his life will turn out for his deliverance. Pastor Brian's been sharing with us in recent weeks what's happened to Paul and the realities of his current predicament. In Paul's life before this current imprisonment where he writes this letter, he's been beaten, stoned, hated shipwrecked <laughs> quite a he ought to make a photo album for that but uh these were very difficult life experiences paul had gone but he felt that he was strengthened through these hard times now for this specific imprisonment in rome we start where this sense of where he writes about this joy and death it all started when paul was in jerusalem visiting the temple when an angry mom got a hold of him and was ready to kill him from Jerusalem, Paul was taken to Caesarea where he experienced more miscarriages of justice and all kinds of hard things. And then from Caesarea, he went up to Rome where we see this letter being written where he was able to spend time about two years being able to, how he described it, being able to share the good news of Jesus boldly without an hindrance despite being under house arrest during that time. So during that time, Paul remembered God's promise to him that we read in Acts twenty three eleven. It said, the following night, the Lord stood near Paul and said, take courage. As I have testified, have you have testified about me in Jerusalem? So must you also testify in Rome. So Paul got a word from the Lord that he would start in Jerusalem, he would journey through this area and end up here in Rome. Did you ever sometimes stop and think, like, how did I get here? How am I at this point in my life? How where I live? Who I'm married to? How did I get these kids? How did I get this job? Did you ever have those feelings sometimes? It's okay to just think those feelings once in a while, right? That's where Paul's at. He's like, oh my goodness. How in the world did all these things happen to me? And those are the times where it's good to go back and look and recognize that God ordains hard things in our lives, just like he did in Paul's lives for the purposes he has for us. He doesn't waste suffering. He doesn't waste hard times. They're preparing us for things that he has for us to be and to do. And we see that as we continue in verse 20, and Paul shares about this purpose in his life, his why, his why which gave him perspective about not only his life, but about death that we're going to talk about. He says, I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. So again, Paul's explaining the purpose of his life or in death is to exalt Jesus. We sang about that. We've talked about that. But what in the world does that exalt Jesus mean? It sounds a little lofty. But exalting is pretty straightforward. It actually means to say that something is great. You know, I mean, in your life, I mean, if I ask you what's great in your life or what do you enjoy that's great, I think we can go on and on. And if I had you start talking now, it would be really hard to bring you all back. Okay, because you either have a, you know, some of you have a great football team. Other of us don't right now. Some of you have a great job. Some of you don't. Some of you have maybe a, a great, you know, you, you can pick it, a great car, a great relationship with your spouse, and other of us, we don't know. But, you know, it's here, Paul's saying the one great thing that I have in my life, the one thing that is great for me that I want to let everybody know about is Jesus Christ. Because he was preeminent in his life. He had the top place. Now, actually, some of us have also encountered other people who want to convince us of something that's great. You really need to buy this. Your, your life is incomplete without it. You just can't get on. And that's what also what Paul wants to do here. Not only does he declare that Jesus is great for him, but he wants to let everybody else know that Jesus is the greatest for them. That's his heart's desire. That's his why. That's what motivated Paul to do that. He was celebrating what Jesus had done in his life and how he was excited that he was alive and working his heart and soul and he wanted to do the same for other people. So he says, Christ will be exalted in my body whether by life or death. He expresses this about being the case where the life or death. He explains as he continues to live life here in his earthly bodies, he's going to continue to lift Jesus up. Everything he says, everything he thinks, everything he does. And if his life is in his earthly body will come to an end, Paul says, I'll be done. I'll be with Jesus, just like with Bob. No longer separated through death, but with Jesus forever. Paul continues in verse 21, and this is kind of our famous verse where Paul has this dramatic, it's almost like he pauses. He says, okay, here it comes. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Now, ironically, Paul, this phrase is very, you know, obviously Paul's iconic phrase, but there's a lot of other iconic phrases that we run into throughout our lives. Let me, let me just, I'm going to say a phrase, I'm going to put a blank in it, like Pastor Brian did a couple weeks ago, and I want you to fill it in, okay? That which does not kill us makes us stronger, stronger right? The journey of a thousand miles begin with? A single step, a single step. To be or not to be—that is the right. So these famous quotes, right? I mean, this is Nietzsche to Shakespeare. I could even live as if you were to what tomorrow? Die tomorrow? Gandhi. I mean, we we are just bombarded with themes and major mottos, mantras all throughout our lives that have just permeated our brains that we can't even like. Those just came naturally to you. So my heart's desire here is for today. After we're done. That this for me to live is Christ and to die is gain is one that will just come natural. That we will say to die, and we can fill in the word, is gain. That's what my heart's desire is here today. So when Paul says for me to live and, and to Christ is die is gain, when he mentions this living for Christ, Pastor Brian talked about it recently in his message on how to live. Okay, And it's really about how we're living as if we look at life as a gift from God. And how do we redeem that? And we'll talk about that more at the end, but our focus today is on this joy and death, that to die is gain. Paul knew that just like living for Jesus on earth brought glory to him, he also knew that someday his death would also bring glory to Jesus as well. When Paul contrasts this idea of to live as Christ and die as gain, what is he saying? Sometimes it's helpful to understand what somebody isn't saying. Did you ever like, like well, that's not really what I meant. Kind of, what did, here, well, what did you mean? So Paul's not talking about the physical gain he would get from death and being relieved from all these limitations or pain he had in his body. He's not talking about the mental gain he would get from death and being relieved of the anxiety and anguish that he was experiencing through his life circumstances. He's not talking about social gain that he would get from being reunited with his friends and family who had gone on before him. It was, it was those things plus a much greater gain. The gain from death from now being together with Jesus forever. That's what death is. It's not just meeting your maker. It's meeting the one who's waiting for you. The one who's prepared a place for you. Paul knew that someday, and he described it in his other writings, that his faith would someday become sight. And that he would not only see Jesus face to face, but he would live with him forever. That was his gain in dying. That was his joy in death. With the recent passing of Bob, our dear brother Bob Maddox, I want to remind us that we think of Bob and many others who have recently gone on to heaven before us and we're comforted by the gains that they have received in their own death. We've had among us those who have recently lost uncles, aunts, nieces, nephews, parents, siblings, spouses, and even children. May God continue to comfort each of us as we continue to grieve. I saw we had a box of tissues in the back. I brought some up here for me. (laughs) I'm among those who have lost. And it's hard. It's hard to think about death and have joy in it, right? We look forward to being reunited with them in our own death, whenever that'll be. And we're happy for Bob and these others because they're with Jesus now forever. In the meantime, we, like Paul, here in this verse... And like our dear brother, Bob, are encouraged to keep on declaring our devotion to Jesus and to tell our people what he's done for us. In these subsequent verses, 22 through 24, Paul continues to describe the dilemma he found himself in. He said in verse 22, if I'm going to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet what shall I choose? I do not know. I'm torn. I'm torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better, but it's more necessary for you that I remain in the body. Now, Paul says he's torn here between these two things. He's expressing this feeling of being hard-pressed on both sides. We call it between a rock and a hard place. Did you ever feel like there's like whatever you do, it's either going to be great or it's going to be bad either way? Did you ever have that sense? But here, he just felt like he was smacked up right in the, in the middle of two powerful desires. Think of a, a tug-of-war and the flag that's in the middle and things pulling on either way. Paul explains how on one side, dying and being with Jesus Christ is so much better. In his mind and his heart, this departing being with Jesus was a great advantage for him personally. However, on the other side, it felt like God still had things for him to be and to do. God revealed to Paul that he still had people he wanted to use Paul in as an instrument in his hands. Just a few years earlier, Paul had penned an earlier letter to the church in Galatia, and he echoed a similar sentiment in this letter telling them in Galatians 2.20, I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live. Notice that dying imagery again. But what? But Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live how? By faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Now Paul finishes out this section by sharing in verse 25 and verse 26. He says, convinced of this, I know that I will remain and I will continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith. So that through my being with you again, your boasting in Jesus Christ will abound on account of me. Paul was confident that God was going to continue to have him stay alive for a period of time. Why? For the purpose of spending time with them, to helping them grow and learn, and progress in their faith. Now, this sense of progress is one that, you know, we we our kids just many of our kids just went back to school, and here eventually we're going to get you go to back to school night and they talk about okay how we're going to measure success. We're gonna progress reports, we're gonna kind of mark how you're doing. Paul is that person who's just guiding them as a teacher would, to be able to progress in their faith and gain more mastery over the spiritual disciplines in order to be able to get closer to God. That's that sense of progress. It's moving towards something. In fact, it actually was a sense that sometimes it even was used when you have a goal over here, it was used for armies when they would go and they, they would go to a location, they have to clear out a field. So it wasn't just a matter of helping somebody get somewhere, It's also helping remove the obstacles that were in the way to get them there. It is the furtherance of the work of God in their lives It would overcome these obstacles and use God's power to see them to completion. Now that we've walked through these verses and better understand what they mean, how do we apply them to our lives? I want to go back to the sense of fear again. We start to fear death less when we start talking about it more. We start to fear death more importantly when we start learning about it more. Let's seek to understand more about what's behind the curtain. And as we learn about death more, we can fear it less. I shared how Paul shared with us, we like him can be encouraged and no longer fear death but look forward to it. Max led us in that first psalm together and expressed it very well. It says, because of what was done for us by Jesus on the cross, he died for our sins, his blood broke the chains of sin and death, and yes, even the chains of death that were on us are gone. We're free, free, forever we're free. Our hope and prayer is that if you're here today and you haven't been freed from sin and death, that today would be the day, that you will learn more about death and the joy that Paul had in it to seeking to convey it about us. Now when it comes to death, the main way that we learn more about it isn't by cultural traditions or understanding different things that people do, but actually learning from God's Word and what he has to say about it. When the topic of death comes up at times, we've learned, and what we've experienced may be the way that we guide ourselves. But sometimes what we've learned and experienced in life doesn't really align with God's view on death. Our thoughts and our feelings will be in conflict, and we're not sure what to do about them. But what I want to encourage you is, as we learn more of God's view on death, our thoughts and our feelings will actually start to support each other more and more rather than be at odds on something That's scary, and as final, as death may feed. For those of you who still gravely fear death, our hope and prayer is that God will open your eyes and see the need that you have to be saved and see Jesus is the one who saves you from eternal death and separation from him. We hope and pray that you can join us in singing like we did earlier that second song. We hope that on that day, when our strength is failing, when we sense that the end of our lives is drawing near, and we're realizing that our time has come to an end, that our souls will sing the praise to Jesus for who he is and what he's done for us on the cross. 10,000 years and forevermore. Now for those of us who are saved, who do begin to have this sense of joy and death, how can we deepen that? We do that by seeking to redeem the time that we have, that God still has left for us on earth. So, how do we do that? The first thing is when we want to take inventory of our thoughts and our time. We pause and consider what takes up most of our attention and where we spend most of our days in an hour. It's said that we become what we think about most of the time. We become what we think about most of the time we start to realize how much focus we've been placing on things that I sometimes refer to as the dash. Okay, If you look at the tombstone, the day you were born and then the day that died, the middle is called the dash. If you go to many funeral gatherings, sometimes they'll talk about the dash. But sometimes I think we over-index on the dash. We over-index on what we're going to be being and doing here on this earth rather than what God has in store for us beyond. So I want us to pause and think about maybe stopping and remembering someone else's life and that how things go in fact i've had the privilege of uh speaking at many funerals uh in recent years um sad privilege uh, whether it be family or friends and at those times it's really helped me to encourage people to pause going to a funeral makes you pause going to a wedding you get all excited you start dancing and we'll get some classes to help us out a little bit in that area Um, but when it comes to a funeral you know there should be some dancing now, we're sad that Bob or others have gone, but we can be dancing because we're excited about what's happening for Bob, what's happening for others. But this, we're just mixed in how we feel about those things. But for us, going to a funeral also causes us to stop and think about how we've been spending our time. So what I want to do, just encourage you to do is just take time this week and learn more about death. Learn more about what Jesus had to say about this place he's been preparing for us. Read through the Gospels and you can see that he's been preparing for us a place and rewards that he has for us when we will see him face to face. May God this week strengthen our desires for our heavenly home and give us an increased view of his, his perspective on death. We'll be no longer so easily pleased on what the world has to offer us in the here and now, but rather seek what awaits us after we would die. Second, I just want to encourage us to be careful. Some people will see death almost as an escape um, rather than a reward by his own admission paul felt that way at times he felt he would be better off dying than living he would have been relieved from the pain and suffering he was experiencing and the situation even maybe some pain and suffering he was causing for others paul never got to the point though where he thought that life wasn't worth living paul saw his worth in jesus who died for him god gave paul people in his life on earth who reminded him that he was not a burden to them In fact, Paul said in his writings at 1 Timothy, remember, Paul did some really bad things. I mean, this was a guy who, you know, if you read about his life, um, maybe it would have been easier for just God to take him out rather than deal with all the hardship that he caused other people. But Paul was reminded of this in his writings in 1 Timothy. one One of the early things that he wrote, he said, but for this very reason, I was shown mercy so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his immense patience as an example for those who believe in him and receive eternal life. So Paul knew that his life was meant to keep on living and be an example for others. He knew that each of us was made in God's image and that we are loved more deeply than we can imagine. And death was not ultimately the triumph in Paul's life. God has set things aside for all of us to be and to do here during the time he's had for us. His desire is for us to see him as the one who sees our true selves and still loves us. Paul knew not only that many people knew what he did, but Paul knew that God saw his heart back then, loved him despite of it, drew him to himself. And even as he began to journey, his spiritual journey, he still had things that he thought, and maybe even said and did, that he was very ashamed of, that maybe only God knew. But he knew that God's love covered over a multitude of sins, and that that love that he experienced was more than ever he could ever imagine. And he knew that God put him in relationship with other people to receive that love and express it to others. May we no longer be occasionally deceived into thinking that no one cares about us, they'd be better off without us. May God this week strengthen our desires to live for him during these times and set aside time to experience the love that he has for us, to give to others and receive from others. Lastly, we want to wake up each day keeping the main goal of our lives, living for Jesus in the forefront, not the background of our lives. So it's kind of hard to understand, well, what have I been doing with my life anyway these days? So wonderfully, thanks to technology, you have a little window into that. If you have an iPhone, there's something called screen time. If you have Galaxy, you have something called digital well-being. I think most of us spend more time on our phones than in another place outside of sleeping. So if you want to know where your minds and your hearts have been these days, I recommend taking a peek at that. Uh, you may even want to take a screen print of it. Save that screen print, because it'll show you where you're being drawn to What are those things that your heart is inclined towards at this time? I know for me, it was a great window to see certain things that maybe when I wake up in the morning, it tells you how many times you pick up your phone, what you look at on your phone, what you do on your phone. Um, The phone is a window into um, our hearts. Now, Paul didn't have a smartphone, but there's a good chance that if he, he had the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit would more than likely give him an idea of where his mind had been, where his thoughts had been, where he was spending most of his time. But Paul shared how he was focused on what he referred to as fruitful labor, of seeing people place their faith in Jesus and then encouraging and equipping them in their journey. That was his focus. This was his primary goal, and he was willing to give anything of himself to advance that goal. And more importantly, he was also willing to give up stuff. He was willing to give stuff and give up stuff. I think when we look at our lives and we see what are the things that we give of ourselves, it tells us what's most important in our lives. And then we look at the things that we're willing to give up for the sake of someone else or something else. It also tells us what's the most important in our lives. Those are just windows into our souls. So rather than see people place their faith in Jesus and help them grow in the faith, you can think about maybe somebody you know who's really interested in getting rich. I don't know if you've ever met anybody whose their goal is to acquire wealth, okay? They are very focused, okay? They know their goal. Right? How they think about things, how they talk about things, and how they live their lives is very clear that this is what their goal is. They seem singly focused on doing it, and they're willing to do certain things to get there, and they're willing to do other things so they can get there even faster, they stop it. They've changed their mindset about money, they've developed a plan around it, they put together a budget, they live below their means, they avoid debt, they save money, they develop multiple streams of income, and they diversify their portfolios. Have you ever met anybody like that? Maybe it's a relative, maybe it's a coworker, maybe it's a neighbor. Right? When somebody's interested in, in this desire, they're willing to do things and not do things in order to get there. That's what's most important. What's most important for us? For, for Paul, his goal was to lift up Jesus. And what he did and what he didn't do really enabled him to do that. Paul might have lived out, there's a quote I really liked from this person named Robert Moffat, he says, we shall have all eternity in which to celebrate our victories, but only one short hour before the sunset in order to win them. We have all eternity to celebrate our victories, but we only have one short hour before the sunset to win them, which means he was saying we only have a little bit of time here to be in people's lives. You heard Bob bringing tomatoes to people. You heard Bob making muffins. You heard Bob making cookies. You heard Bob doing this. Bob knew that he only had a limited period of time in order to win people over. And now he has the rest of eternity to enjoy the time with them. Paul captures this well in his own life. In Acts 20, 24, he says, However, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord has given me, the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. As we come to a close, I want to bring us back to Mr. Monty Hall again. And let's make a deal. I want to explain how this classic television game that evolved into actually a famous math problem, which goes like this. You are now picking a door, okay? And like a contestant on the show, however, after you pick, we actually show you that the door that you picked actually has a goat in it. Okay? Now you have a chance at this point in time, there's two doors left, and you already had one that you picked. So let's say you picked door number, but you don't know if the car is behind door number one or behind door number two. But we showed you door number three. The question is, Do you change your choice? And we give you a chance. Do you change your choice, yes or no? Now, ironically, the way the math problem goes, if you change your choice, you actually have a better chance to get in the car. Now, some of you are just blown away at this moment, okay? It's It's kind of a classic math problem. You can read about it on your own, but we have an opportunity today to change our choice. If we have been choosing something, that really wasn't in God's desires. Or to be able to understand that there's joy in death. Today is the day to change our thing. In fact, the way, that, the way I think about it is, um, you know, we, we've been given new information, insights about it that encourage us to no longer feel death, but look forward to it. Paul's equipped us to better redeem our time, so the time we've been given here is going to be for him. So change your mind. In fact, when I was a boy, uh, one of the things we enjoyed doing was playing different games, particularly uh, football games or basketball games, whatever it is outside, and we weren't sure who would start with the ball. So what is a classic way to understand that? You flip a coin, right? And then you say, okay. So what I would used to say is I'd say, heads I win and tails you lose. Okay? Oh. <laughs> Anybody ever encountered somebody like that? <laughs> okay, so that, that's obviously some mild deceit there. But I would say that it's actually a very good way to understand how Paul thought about life and death. Okay. Either way, he was not going to lose. If he continued living, God was going to give opportunities to be in people's lives and help them progress in their journey. And if he died, he was going to be with Christ forever. Heads he won, tails he won. He went either way. We've been blessed in our church history to have many people who've been wonderful examples of how to live for Christ and die well for him. I had many of their stories written down as I prepared this message. And I had no time to share them with you. So if you want to come, and, you know, Jerry, I think of your mom. There's so many, Cheryl and Barb's parents. There's, there's many people who've lived well and died well for the Lord. I'm not going to name all the names, I just highlighted two, but there's a dozen more that if you want to come up to me afterwards and hear them, they will inspire you to live for the Lord. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, like Paul, please give us more courage to be ready for death, more courage to live for you during the time that you've given us here on earth. Show us how to love like you have loved us. Please break our hearts for what breaks yours. May we continue to make more and more living for you the aim of our lives. Help us to say like Paul did that for us to live is Christ and to die is gain. Amen.